Welcome to the Key Wellbeing Podcast and our new series, Lunchtime Listens, where it's all about real clients, real employee wellbeing challenges, and of course, real expert advice. Let's get started. Hello to everyone tuning in to another bite-sized but jam-packed session with our experts. And today the topic is the need for leaders to be more human. So one of the main workplace well-being trends that we can expect to see this year is humanity, with business leaders shifting their focus towards developing relationships with employees, treating and communicating with them like people rather than numbers. And since we are all humans after all, we think it's about time, don't you? Today we are joined by someone that, in our opinion, sets a prime example of what other employers, leaders and managers should be doing, and that is being an open, authentic and just genuinely real person. So I'm delighted to be joined today by the multi-talented Simon Clayton. Simon is an all-around marketing guru with many talents and many titles under his belt marketing a leadership coach, trainer, mentor, author, and lecturer. And we're delighted to have him here to talk with us today about the importance of being human-centric in the workplace. So welcome to our podcast, Simon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you so much for the invitation. It's great to be here. Great to take part. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a busy time at the moment, so I can't complain. Um, but I love these things. I love podcasts. So yeah, thank you. And thank you for the invite. Oh, you're so welcome. It's our absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, so these are short and sweet podcasts, as you as you know. So we're going to get straight into it. So I'm going to ask you um, a poignant question, and that is, why do you think it's important for leaders to be more human, open and honest, particularly about their own well-being? I see this a lot with your content that you put out. You try and bring the real and the raw and the honest, and I love it. But why do you think it's important for leaders to do that? I think firstly, it's it's all about as a leader, you are setting an example. Uh, and I think, you know, more than ever now, it's tough out there. It's tough in the workplace. Uh, and I think if you can present a more human side, um, you know, people buy into that. People, I suppose there's a lot more empathy, uh, you know, with your team and the people you're around. Uh, you know, and we all want to be trapped like humans. You know, we're not robots. I think the old style of leadership where someone stands in front and tells everybody what to do has died, long died. Um, you know, I think it is more about using people's skills, uh, using people's experience and working together as a whole. And part of that is having that human presence, presenting that human image, which I think is so, so important. And we're seeing this at the moment with the, the large organisations, you know, where people are getting a lot more freedom, a lot more autonomy to operate. And uh, and because of that, those those organisations are doing well, and you know, and they're realising the value in their people. And I think that's another point in so much as for so long, when we sold our organization, we promoted our organizations, we always talked about our systems, our processes, our products, our services, and very rarely talked about our people. And more than ever now, we know that people make a business tick. Uh, people buy from people, as I'm always preaching. And for me, it's all about the human element. We buy from human people or authentic people, as I say. So it's it's that's the real importance. Uh, and I said, as a leader, I think you've got to lead from the front and show that, uh, you know, that you're open and, uh, and and human. 
Absolutely. And I think it's a really interesting point that you just said there. We used to, you know, talk about our amazing systems and our efficiency and look how, how great we are with all of our processes. And like, how, how funny when you think about it, that we've only just brought the people element to the forefront. Absolutely massive. I think part of that is with products and services, we know exactly what we've got, you know, and, and from marketing terms, you know, you're selling your benefits and your features and it's, it's, it's fairly easy to do that if, you know, if you get it right. I think with people, it's really difficult unless you really understand the people around you and what their strengths and weaknesses are and their personalities and characteristics. It's really difficult to promote that. And again, that's a learning curve that we've seen with more organizations now where they are listening more to their people, you know, trying to develop that understanding of who they are and what they want and what work means to them as well, which is really, really important. And, you know, obviously the big shift at the moment is the kind of the Monday to Friday working pattern is changing. We see more hybrid working thanks to COVID, uh, you know, and I think that's given people more um, control over what they do and how they do it. And and I say that authenticity, if you like, is, is much stronger now. So I think as long as we don't lose that, that's what's really important. Absolutely. I don't really think it is going anywhere. Um, you know, to your point about things changing after COVID, mm-hmm. workplaces definitely have changed. And those organisations that are reluctant to get on board, they've basically got a generation to figure it out because if you've got old guard thinking and old you know ways of, of working in in the institution that's not going to last for many more no. decades so <laughs> do you know it's a funny thing because I think it's about being flexible and I was having this conversation with one of my clients a few weeks back in so much as that they've got um, um a diverse workforce in terms of ages and um you know this person sent me that actually some of our older workers are pleased to be back in the office working monday to friday nine to five and i think it's an appreciation of all those kind of feelings that people have if you've got people who prefer to be in the great you know don't just don't suddenly say that's it no from now on we're from home it it, it is just having appreciation of, of your people and uh, you know what makes them tick we all know that people work to their best when they're kind of left to their own devices, you know, left to run their own time. Obviously, you need some form of leadership and then some guidance, but ultimately, people work better like that. Mm-hmm. But if that means that you're used to working nine to five, Monday to Friday, and you're happier doing that way, great. That's how you'll perform in that environment. Likewise, if, you know, if you're younger or you're not used to doing those kind of hours, yeah, you know, mix it up. But I think you've got to be flexible at the moment, especially in terms of how you offer that. And again, that's understanding and and listening to your people. Yeah. And listening to the humans that are in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Putting the human back into HR, as we like to say. (laughs) Ah, Yes. Yes. I like that. (laughs) So on that then. So what would you say to those that are afraid to sort of show and be their full authentic selves, whether that be on social or whether it be in the workplace? I know that recently I posted about um, something about my spiritual side. I posted about, I think I put a post about tarot cards uh, on, on LinkedIn. And I was a little bit scared. I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, are you allowed to be spiritual and professional on LinkedIn? I don't know. <laughs> so what would you say to people that are afraid to sort of show that side of themselves? It's interesting because I, I get asked this question a lot. Um, I, I talk a lot about personal branding and obviously LinkedIn being a great tool, as you say, you know, and I, I, it, for me, it's the personal brand tool. Um, but the question being that how much of ourselves do we have to give away on social media and how much do we have to show? And I think there's a very thin line between um, kind of showing, opening up or showing enough 
that people can actually connect. And then there's the scale where you're literally showing everything. And, you know, we just look at celebrities and, you know, how, you know, one minute they're doing this and, you know, it gets really messy. And I suppose that kind of authenticity quickly goes away because we know that, all right, this month, this person's, you know, promoting that they're in this way. And so for me, it's exactly. Yeah. For me, it's about, first of all, I always talk about about your persona. So we know as, as humans, we we carry different personas. We have a, a professional work persona. Uh, you know, we have a, a persona at home, whether it's with our wives, husbands, children, you know. We carry all these personas. And it's about understanding exactly, right, what does our professional persona look like? What are the kind of things that we want to, we, we're happy to share and the things we don't want to share? And almost setting those boundaries, if you like. And once we can do that, we can then feel more, suppose um securing how we share that online and how we share that within our professional lives um i i i talk about my mental health i've, I've made you know i've struggled with mental health in the past and you know i'm happy to talk about that but i'm not somebody who wants to preach about it i'm not somebody who's going to hang my hat on it and say my you know it's a, i know people do and people do it really well and i'm not condemning that that's just within my persona I'm happy to talk about it um but it's not something i'm going to kind of live by at the moment um, who knows what's ahead? Um, so because of that, I've set that boundary. I understand, you know, exactly where I want to go with that. And 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 that's what I would suggest with a lot of people is the part of that that fear is the fear of losing control and saying too much. Well, if you actually sit down and think about, first of all, okay, what do I stand for? What does this professional persona look like? It makes it so much easier than to communicate that. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to pick up on a point that you mentioned there about mental health. So thinking about leaders sharing a bit more about their, their mental health, um, I think what you were saying there about not sharing too much, not becoming known for that, and that's fine. But also there's an element or that I think there there should be of, of leaders being open about the fact that, hey, I have physical and mental health too, just like you, just like my employees. Um, so what do you think that leaders can gain from being a bit more open about that? I think the first point I'll make is that sadly, in the UK especially, we still have this down on mental health, regardless of what we say, you know, um, personally, I feel there's a lot of box ticking. Oh, yeah, we have a mental health policy. But do you actually live and breathe it? You know, do, do you actually go out there and help people? Or is it just the case you've got a piece of paper that's actually going to protect you in, in litigation? You know, I, th- I think for it, it, there is a kind of um, an expectancy the you know if you are struggling yeah tell somebody but let's not rock the apple the apple cart you know and i think that with a lot of that still exists so i think ultimately it's got to come from the top first of all regardless of it being a policy or a box ticking exercise you've actually got to believe it if you really value your people and you really value the what they bring to your organization remember that every one of us within an organization is a brand ambassador so if we're, if we're enjoying our work, if we love what we do, and we're going to go out and tell the world, that could encourage more customers, more sales, more brand awareness, whatever it looks like, yeah? When people are really fed up with work, they also go out there and tell people. So for me, it's about, you know, it's got to come from the top. It's got to be about, you know, understanding what people want. And if we have got mental, how can we help them? How can we support them? Rather than just saying, well, it's what's the policy and so forth. And I think from that, once that resonates down, once people believe in that, it becomes a lot more open and a lot more, there's a lot more freedom in there to communicate. But I'll say this again, sadly, at the moment in the UK, I think there is still this, I want to say macho image that anybody who suffers from mental health 
um, isn't up to the job, isn't up to the role. You know, it is getting better, but I do still think we carry this sometimes. Uh, and this is not small companies, by the way. I'm talking about the bigger organisations as well um, who, who struggle with this still. So unpopular choice, unpopular opinion, I know, but that's but what I, I appreciate you bringing that real side to things. You know, I am very much trying to change things with key wellbeing. We are as a team and, you know, I we do come across that, though, a lot. And I want to pick up on your point there about it having to be lived and breathed if we decide something. Um, there is literally no point in you know box ticking or getting a program in or running a workshop if we're not going to really try and change the culture and try and you know create an environment where it's easier for people to be well as opposed mm-hmm. to it being like an extra thing that I now have to take care of like how yep. can we create an environment where it's it's easier for us to do that well I think just an example I suppose going back to those larger organizations words out those larger organizations where we are seeing titles like people manager head of people so there are organisers who are embracing that and realising it's more than just a HR issue. It's actually, you know, being there for our people and, and providing those environments that if people are struggling or on the other side, you know, if people actually want to climb and do better in their jobs, you know, that, that doors open as well. So I think that there are changes happening. There are positives happening. Um, but I think alongside that, it is about, you know, being open and honest. The big thing about technology and the benefits it's brought, the huge benefits it's brought, everything moves so much faster. So our working days, we're putting so much more into them. So because of that, our brains are really struggling. So there is a point in which we will cut off, in which, the, the you know, as a natural engine, the brain does cut off when it can't take anymore. Hence the reason why people, you know, uh, anxiety, depression, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we've got to protect ourselves in that, regardless of whether we believe in the concept of mental health and people, you know, not not being well themselves. It's also the fact, well, hold on a second. What about our systems, our procedures, our policies, you know, the actual way we do our business? That has to change as well in order to protect our workforce. You know, if if we're expecting, you know, I don't know, 50-odd emails a day to go out and people to do, it's just great. The human body can't take it anymore. So in that respect, you know, even if that's part of this whole protection issue and policy issue, that's what I would say would move on. Yeah, I think we're still trying to find our way a lot with that, aren't we? Yeah, technology has brought some great advancements, but uh, just the way you were describing there about your brain not being able to take any more, I can definitely relate to that myself, you know, despite the practices I have in place, despite what I'm trying to do to look after my own well-being, there is a point in the day where you're just, my, I actually can't take any more information and in. I'm going to have to just doing something, do something mind numbing, watch something yeah. on TV or whatever, um, or just, you know, put a circuit breaker in and go for a walk or just, yeah, it's just too much. <laughs> but it's it's true, isn't it? I suppose you know, it it's like a car, isn't it? If your car runs out of fuel, you need to refuel it. If your car, you know, there's something wrong with the engine, you need to get it fixed. And yet as humans, we think we're invincible. And I've been, you know... <laughs> I've been a victim of this myself, you know, working long hours and thinking that I'm invincible, especially when I first started the business. Uh, you know, you do work long hours, so you take that as part of the course, you know, and all the great entrepreneurs say, well, you need to be working ridiculous hours, seven days a week and all that rubbish. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> Exactly, yes, yeah, so you do buy into all that because that's the, the entrepreneurial life. Um, you know, but 
there is a point where you've got to stand back and say, okay, there's, there's, there's self-preservation here. There's got to be self-preservation. And we hear the term, you know, work-life balance. It's like, yeah, well, why not? It's Let's let's encourage that. Let's ask that more. And why can't people work um, different hours during the day? Why can't people go for a nap in the afternoon? Why, it, it's all these things that to some organizations, it's really scary. Oh, my goodness. No, I want them here nine to five. That's changed. That's gone. You know, yeah. The pandemic taught us all this, you know, that's changed now. We can't go back to that old way. Absolutely. Um, and so I think it's about flipping that on its head to be life work balance then, right? Abs- oh, I like that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. How can we approach it through that lens and potentially all be a little bit happier? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So on that, then we've talked a bit about organizations and policies and procedures and cultures. Let's bring it back to business leaders. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe if you've got some practical tips, I don't know if you've got anything that you want to share. So we're all about practicing what we preach here. And I know that you are too. Mm -hmm. So to the business leaders that are listening to this, do you have any top tips for for self-care, for looking after ourselves? I do. Um, Got some just up my sleeve here. No, I do. Well, (laughs) Literally by what I play on myself, basically. So the advice I would give, and this is, this comes direct from what I do, is number one, surround yourself with positive people. Um, whether that's, you know, if you can get a mentor or a coach or just somebody you can go to and talk through. We all need somebody to talk, especially if times are hard or we're feeling challenged or we are feeling anxious depressed. We need somebody to talk to and be open and honest with that person. So choose well. Choose somebody you know you can trust. Um, but, yeah, you know, Feed off their enthusiasm, feed off what their experience, you know, and and switch the news off. uh, Because, again, the media at the moment, well, the media for a long time has been in negativity overdrive and it's never any good. So, yeah, definitely surround yourself with positive people. Uh, Make time for yourself. Uh, You know, whether that is time during the day, whether it's first thing on the morning, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's reading a book, whatever it is, just make time for yourself uh to to get yourself together and so forth again we seem to run very busy lives and i know especially um you know business leaders who maybe have younger families or uh, you know other things going outside of work it's very difficult to put ourselves last uh and for me it's really important uh, as we mentioned before we started you know i joined i went on a massive health kick about three years ago um coming out of covid um suddenly realized that um i was looking a bit a bit heavy around the sides around the gills and um i was just about to turn 50 and i thought do you know what i need to do something about this uh and it's been the best thing i ever did i got a pt first of all uh and it's been the best thing i ever did so again you know finding that time for yourself um you know where it's just some quiet time or some way you can go for a walk or better still get yourself to the gym uh, you know, and and get uh, practicing some self-preservation. Yeah. Um, and I think finally, keep self-educating. Uh, the the brain is a very clever machine that it needs, and the soul, it needs food. Uh, and we've got to keep self-educating, whether it's something that we do as part of our daily jobs, roles, responsibilities, or whether it's something completely different. Uh, you know, get yourself a book or a podcast or an audiobook, whatever, and just keep self-educating because that's wonderful for the soul and it develops the mind and helps you see things from a very different environment, which could ultimately help you in your role with your people. I love that. What a great, well-rounded answer. Some really good points in there. Definitely. Do you practice all of them yourself? 
I try I to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and like and say, "Oh yeah, don't yeah. you know, I don't like, like anyone. I, I, I try I don't think to. Anyone does. Yeah, yeah I, try, I think that the big pressure at the moment is coming coming off Christmas. You do feel a bit. Um, they're say sluggish. You're still in the the kind of the Christmas routine, so it, it's proving challenging at the moment. But uh, definitely get oh, into the gym. Yeah, I want to pick up on your on, on a post. I mean, I'm not sure when you're listening to this, people that are listening to this podcast, but uh, it's it's January the twelfth now, and uh, Simon posted recently about the pressure of all the things new year new me improve yourself in this way get yourself to the gym dust off your gym kit like what are you doing (laughs) there's a lot of pressure isn't there at this time of year to like improve yourself and be better and all that yeah massively massively it's crazy to think and i talk about a lot this when i coach about the seasonality of of the way in which organizations promote their products and services and we've never got away from this so we always know that the first of january apart from the fact that every retailer is having a sale we also know that every gym in town, you know, is promoting the fact of getting healthy. every uh, nutritionist, fitness. It's a massive, massive industry. Um, and I think also when you're already part of that, i.e. Go, you go to the gym or you do stuff, you get bombarded even more how to better yourself than what you've been doing. So, yeah, it, 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 that always and likewise, you know, we see it kind of the amount of holidays we get offered and better lives. And obviously, recruitment's a massive industry at the moment because everybody's looking for a new job. So it, it always amazes me how seasonal we are. But I suppose that's just that's just part of the course, really. But yeah, there is a bombardment of stuff at the moment, um, of, of messages, and 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 you've just got to really kind of choose wisely, uh, or better still, just switch off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> particularly the news. I love your point earlier. Actually, that was one of the uh, best things I've I've done. Try and remain somewhat current, but on my own terms. When I yeah. want to check in with it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, for me, we we tend to believe the news a lot more than what we used to, which sounds crazy. And again, harking back to social media. And by the way, this is somebody who lives and breathes social media, so I, I, you know, I, I see the benefits of it. I'm not trying to do a downer on it, but news is so constant now. It's constantly there now. It's not like the good old days where you turn on at 6 o'clock or 12 o'clock on the telly. It's constantly in your face. There is constantly news being piped through. And 99% of the time, it's negative news, because obviously negative news sells. Um, so because of that, we, we get we get pulled into this vortex of this negativity, this negative news. Um, you know, and so... I really try and cut back now on that negative. I switch the apps off, you know, I be, the news apps, switch those off. I'm very wary of where I hang out on social media during the day just because it's that, that negative overdrive, you know, no one needs it. Uh, and a lot of the time it's nonsense anyway, you know, just to... And it can really just affect our perception of the world, right? You know, if you know about 10 horrible things that have happened today, you're like, oh, well, you know, the world sucks and like that's, we're, we're all doomed. But there's, you know, 99 other great things that happen that you just don't know about. <laughs> this is the thing. And I think this kind of ties back in with everything we've talked about so far. Is for me, it's about living in the moment, living in the now. And the news reports on what they think is going to happen or what's happened. I have no control over what's gone behind me. And to some extent, I have no real control of what's in front of me. So at the moment, we're talking about recessions and, you know, this and that housing market, all this kind of nonsense. I have no control over that. So I can either worry about that and try and control it, or alternatively, I can try and control what I what I do and, what I, you know, how I see things. 
and take each day and each moment as it comes. And that's something that's really, it's difficult to kind of get that mindfulness state and, you know, we the mindfulness buzzword. But it does work. And if we can actually bring ourselves into the moment, and that's why walking in gym does works wonders because you you allow yourself to do that. But I think if you can, if you can actually put yourself in that that moment that now, it does ease that negativity from the news around us, uh, you know, and hopefully have more of a kind of a rounded view of, of what is actually ahead and what we actually do control. And we don't control, uh, but yes, the the news is bad for your health. <laughs> not say that you're not you're not sponsored by any news channel or anything i'm not i love that though you know focusing on what we can control coming back to the present moment there's no point steering about the past or worrying about the future because yeah. they're not right now so all we can do is control our responses right so yeah really good advice um do you want to talk a little bit about your five point happy formula <laughs> yeah i'm i'm quickly just pulling it for reference because i think i wrote this about a year ago. Um, now, in fairness, when I actually wrote this, I, I send out an email every Friday. Uh, that's just a plug, by the way. Every <laughs> Friday, I send out my email, um, which you can subscribe on my website. Um, and this can was... I give you cans for that, the end siren? Oh, could you do it? Sorry. Right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> right. And uh, this one week, I wanted to put something out about the fact it had been a really awful week. I think something had happened in the news and there was just a general feeling of just negativity and, and doom and gloom, if you like. And I wanted to put something out about the fact that, you know, we control our happiness. We shouldn't allow others to control our happiness. Um, and ultimately it comes from ourselves. And when I started writing the blog post, there was like a, just, a, just a pattern started forming. And why I'm saying this is because you'll notice that there's, there's five key words that I've, I've focused on, which actually, when you look at them, the first letter, it, it all spells out happiness or happy, sorry. But it never meant to be that way. And I didn't want it to be some kind of magic formula. I'm not some kind of scientist that says, hey, you know, follow this five happy rule and life will be wonderful because it's not. It just kind of, this is how it happened. So H is for honesty. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be true to ourselves and understand what our strengths and weaknesses are because only then can we look for the joy in what we do and be cautious in the stuff that we don't enjoy doing or that we're not good at. So that's honesty, but being honest with ourselves. Next, it's about appreciation. Uh, and again, it's about appreciating what we've done and what we do. Um. I always say perfection is an illusion. So stop striving for it because you're never going to reach it. So in terms of appreciation, instead of thinking I could have done that better, and we all do this. I should have said I should have done that better. It's about actually, do you know what? I did a really good job. I did the best I could do. And if something's gone wrong, I'm going to learn by that for next time. But I'm not going to let it kind of overtake my mindset and really bring it down on me. So that's about appreciation. Next is purpose. Now, this is a funny one because uh, recently I've seen a lot of LinkedIn posts where people are kind of slating the concept of purpose. And, oh, you know, these gurus are saying we have to have a purpose in life. And if you don't, it, it, well, for me, purpose is really important because purpose provides that guidance, that goal of what we want to achieve. Now, whether that's long term or short term, but when we when we have a purpose, we have an understanding as to why we do what we do. And that's when we find that joy, that happy place. And one of the big things that I'm seeing at the moment from my coaching, I coach you a, a lot of what I would say, um, 
I'm going to say maturer managers who have got to a stage in their lives and their careers where suddenly they're thinking, oh, my goodness, I haven't got long left before I'm actually retiring. And what's on the end of life? What, what, what exists after that? Ultimately, what is my purpose? And for me, it doesn't have to be something absolutely groundbreaking amazing. It could be something that's going to carry you through for the next three, six, 12 months. But I think purpose is important. We've got to understand why do we do what we do and what, where the joy is that we get out of it. So that's our first P. Second, three is, second P is passion. Um, I'm a passionate person. I assume you are, Marie. You know, passion carries us through life. It you know, again, it, where the joy and the fun stuff that we do is all around our passion. If we're passionate about something, we tend to do a better job than when we're not passionate about it. So for me, always be mindful of the things that really make you happy, the things that you're passionate about. Follow those dreams. And uh, I do believe that if you do follow them, uh, they, it almost resonates out that you get them. You know what I mean? It's kind of um, self-realization, I think it is. Uh, really, really important. And then finally, um, the last uh, we've got here, JPP, is why, and that is is just basically you, uh, and that's all about only you can make a difference. You can sit there all day and moan about the world. You can sit there all day and moan about your job. You can sit there all day and moan about the people you work with or you know your employees. Only you can make a difference. So if you're unhappy, take action. Do something about it. And even the smallest steps make a massive, massive difference. And that's my happy formula. So ultimately, just to recap, we've got honesty, appreciation, purpose, uh, passion, and you. That's happy. the magic formula, I which just it. happened in the space of five, ten minutes when I was writing the blog post one day. Um, and uh, yeah. I love it. So easy to remember and so on point and uh, and all super valid points. I think if we, uh, it's funny, actually, I have this little happiness book that sits hey. on my <laughs> But um, yeah, the, the happy formula, absolutely amazing. Um, so um, if people want to find out more about your happiness formula, your teaching, your books, your training, your personal branding and the myriad of wonderful things that you do, where can they go to find out more? Okay, my website is marketingskillsacademy.co.uk um and you can you can buy my book from there you can sign up to my newsletter my friday newsletter on there alternatively i do hang out a lot on linkedin as you well know um so it's simon clinton uh i think the url is simon clinton one because believe it or not there's another simon clinton out there um but yes I, exactly that's what i thought how dare um yeah on linkedin um i also hang out on instagram and facebook but generally linkedin is, is my primary social network and yeah i always i'm always happy to grab a coffee with somebody um you know or have a zoom call whatever's easiest um you know relationships always start with a great conversation so yeah couldn't agree more thank you so much for sharing that and one more question before you go we do ask this to all of our guests and that is what is one way that you think employers can create a happy, healthy workplace in this kind of circumstance, in this year or in 2023? So what's going to make the biggest difference, do you think, in workplaces? I think a big difference is going to be about being open and honest with your workforce, with your employees. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's nothing worse than Chinese whispers or rumors or, you know, the way the human brain works is we perceptualize a lot. Uh, so, you know, and a lot of that is is based on negativity. You know, it's it's safe to be in a negative thought process than in a positive process. So generally, uh, when we hear something bad, we perceptualize the negative aspect of that. So for me, it's about it being open and honest um, and just remembering that your people uh, are, the, are, the, are the asset that makes your organization tick. Not your products, not your services, not your wonderful policies or procedures, but your people. Couldn't agree more. What a wonderful way to finish. Thank yeah, that you. That sounded so okay. That sounded good. Good. That sounded great. Thank you yeah. so much, Simon Clayton. Thanks for listening to the Key Wellbeing Podcast. Don't forget, we've got a whole library of free guides, toolkits, resources, and fortnightly lunchtime listens, just like this, with an epic lineup of guests, all to help you to create a healthy, happy workplace. Find it all on our website, www.keywellbeing.co.uk.